The scriptures this morning is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. The word of the Lord. So good to have John back. After five weeks in Mauritius, man, I was wondering if you'd ever come back. Like, uh, why come back from the ocean, the sand? Yikes. Swimming at six in the morning, every morning. Like, that's very impressive, big guy. I want to do such things, but I don't always do it. In fact, rarely do I do that, but well done. Yes, so today is Pentecost Sunday. And to help us reflect on the Holy Spirit, we're going to look at a variety of texts over the next seven weeks. In the liturgical calendar, Pentecost actually runs for seven weeks. So we're thinking of the breath of God, the Spirit of God, moving in our midst, in our lives, for seven weeks. That will be the theme, but there will be a variety of texts, both Old Testament and New Testament, as we look at them. So this painting is one of Sharon Thiessen's paintings. Sharon is a member of our church. She's the one who's done a lot of the art around here, and uh, we don't see her that much anymore. She lives on the Toronto Island, so that's something that gets in the way often. But anyway, this piece, I love this piece, and we're going to have this through the Pentecost season. So the color of Pentecost, every liturgical season has a color, and the color is red. So it comes from the tongues of fire over the heads of the believers, first believers in Acts chapter 2 that Beth read. But uh, this is actually a, a bit of a creation piece. And so the fire, the red flames of fire are moving upon the waters, and we get in Genesis 1, verse 2, that the earth is covered in darkness. Earth is covered, so blackness, that's what the picture here is. And then there's this break, if you like, between verses 1 and 2 and then verse 3, and we'll look at that text in a bit. But on the first day of God's creation, in terms of this story, is light. So the first day, which we read at the end of verse 5, is light. So, you know, whatever you make of that, we have light coming from the darkness. We have the flames. We have the darkness. We have light. And so in the scripture story, light, or, is the Hebrew word, means light. We're not talking about the sun. 
We're not talking about the planets. We're talking about the energy of phos, light. And scholars tell us that if you actually looked at the sun in the core of the sun, it's actually black. The sun is black. But it's the atmosphere, if you like, that's not the real language, but that's what turns it into what we see. But the light is actually something different, and the, and the Hebrew text actually catches that. Or, or orb, an orb floating. So, God's creative power, his breath upon us moving. So I like this picture. You can think about it. We're going to have it out uh, during these weeks, all right? So when the Spirit moves. So as I noted at the beginning of the song, Breathe, Spirit is Ruach. Phrase is Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God. And the name for God there is God the most powerful, Elohim, creator, massive, all-powerful, poderoso. He is omnipotent. That's the word Elohim, because there's a variety of words for God. So ruach is spirit, ruach is breath, ruach is wind. It's interesting, in, in Hebrew, there are only about 800 different words in the whole Old Testament. There's not a lot of vocabulary in Hebrew, but a lot more in Greek. And so a lot of the words have different names. And so ruach is just as much breath, and it is just as much spirit. And so in the NRSV, we, see, we hear the spirit swept, wind swept over the face of the earth. In the NIV, actually, I like it better, it talks about it hovering over the earth. So we want to try to do a little bit of thinking about this, and then move it to our application of the Holy Spirit. So in the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, note, there is no word for universe in Hebrew. The best thing you could get to it would just be all, todo. So when they talk about the universe, it's in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. That's the universe. The earth was a formless, a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep. This color. While a wind, ruach, from God swept over the face of the waters. So that's the text. So what do we see? Just the beginning. So God is the subject of the story. So this is an ancient story, right? We're going way back here. And we have the opportunity to actually think about and reflect on this story a little bit. God is the subject. If you counted up all the words of God in chapter, 30, in chapter 1, 35 times, God is the subject. This is his story. It's not primarily the story of the creation of the earth. This story is about God. God is the subject. He is the center, Elohim. So the writer, maybe Moses, thinking about how the world came into being, starts with God. So God is the beginning. It's interesting, the word create, bara, is only used of God. We never bara. It's never used for us. We may make things, we may form things, but we do not create things like this. It's only used for God. 
So whenever bara is used, it's speaking about God. I think that's interesting. Thirdly, it's a story of emptiness and void. We'll look at it, but it's also intimacy because God is there. God is hovering over the world through the Holy Spirit in all the ancient epics of the world when God brought our earth into being. It's interesting, just by the side, create can mean like this, boom. Or it can be create over lots of time. The word is used for both. So when we hear God created, it doesn't mean like boom, it has to happen just like that. Create is also God creates in time. time is beyond, God is beyond time. Time doesn't exist for God in that sense. But he could have, could have, boom. Or it can be this. That's what the word means. Either way, the Holy Spirit, the Ruach of Elohim, Ruach Elohim, the Spirit of God, is hovering over the planet. That can mean resonating over the planet. It can mean vibrating over the planet. Imagine that. The Holy Spirit bringing life into this world. So there's just some ideas about God as we begin. God is the subject. Create is used of God. And God's intimacy is there, just like he is with us today. We can think God is a long way away. We can think God is a long-distance God. But the Scriptures reveal God to be one who travels with us. He is our companion. In fact, he makes his home in us. You couldn't get closer to that. Your closest friend, whoever that might be, your, your spouse, your children, they are not inside you in that way. God dwells within us. He is our creator. We are creation. You cannot get closer than that knit. But we can think of God as distant, long, long, long way away. I, we're not even in his mind. That's what we think. And the reality is, is God is our creator, and he lives right inside of us through his Holy Spirit, particularly as we are receptive and open to him. We cannot get closer than that. So we have a choice right off the top. You and I, we can live our lives as if God is a million miles away. We can travel our day-to-day -day thinking that. Or we can travel our day-to-day -day thinking and knowing that God travels with us, in us, in all the crap that you and I experience. God is with you in that stuff. All the biblical stories, all those people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. Imagine Joseph, sold by his brothers into slavery. I mean, that is like jealousy to the nth. Just gone. We have relational issues with folk, with, even with family. No more intense than that. Joseph knew that God traveled with him, even in the midst of that. Did not understand it. Only years later does he say, oh, now I get it. You sold me, I'm in, in, in Egypt for a reason. He didn't get that for many, many years. He could be thinking, God deserted me. Where's God in my life? So God is intimate. We want to hear that on Pentecost Sunday. Secondly, have a little bit more about the text. God is there at the beginning, in the beginning. 
the universe is not eternal. There was a beginning point to the universe, as there will be an ending point. Maybe a new universe. In the beginning, new heavens, new earth. Doesn't John talk about that in Revelation? Whatever way that works, the universe is not eternal. God is creator. The universe comes about not by chance, but by intelligence. That's, that's the understanding behind this. Whatever way we understand the science, it doesn't happen just by luck. It happens by God. The old argument of design. If you were walking in the forest and you came across a great watch and you picked up the watch and it was just beautiful and functioning, you'd think, well, somebody made this watch. It doesn't come from nowhere. That's the argument from design. Some people are convinced by that, others not. It doesn't really matter. What we're saying is God is the creator. He designs our world. Science talks about the universe, and there's a big question. Why doesn't the whole thing just collapse? You can read the stories. Why does it hold together? Expands. Why does it hold? Why doesn't it just come back? Everything else just boom and comes back. It dissipates. But it doesn't. Design. Who holds it together? John 1 says the Logos holds it together. The Spirit of God, Christ. Colossians 1. The early stages of creation characterized by formlessness and emptiness. We see that in verse 2. So note, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The universe exists. But the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. It's there, but like this. Formless, emptiness, two different Hebrew words. Formless void is one word, darkness is the other. Or formless void actually is the two, formless void and darkness. Barren. Nothing there. The waters covering the earth. Darkness. That's, that's the picture. Whatever way you can imagine that. Just imagine that. The whole globe, there's no separation of earth and water at this point. It's, it's just covered in water. The whole planet. And it's dark. The ash and everything else is so thick you cannot see beyond it. It's just darkness and water. No life. Barren. Empty. That's the picture, verse 2. And then God works, and separation starts to happen. The earth appears, water, the oceans, light. That's the picture here. It's not trying to be a scientific text, but that's how it describes it. I think that's kind of interesting. Because it actually parallels a lot of what we understand now. Early stages of creation. But the Spirit of God is moving upon the waters. The creative power of God, the Holy Spirit. This energy in your life from the Holy Spirit, the creative touch, our children, creativity from God through us. Creativity, an artist creates this. Songwriters write songs. Poets write poet, poetry. 
just goes on and on. Films are created. All that energy, activation, coming to us from God through us. He is the great artist. Now we are lesser artists creating, making, forming. I think that's kind of cool, don't you think? God's creative power in your life. Everybody's an artist. Everybody. Everybody has creative power, and we show it in different ways. Some people do it in their garden, man. They make these amazing gardens. Other people cook really well. You name it. You go on and on. Design things. Build buildings, right? Creative power. Deuteronomy 32, as an eagle stirs upon its nest and hovers over its young, as it spreads its wings, takes them up and bears them aloft on its pinions, hovers. An eagle hovering over their nest. That's the same word of God hovering, swept over in the NRSV, the planet. Hovering. Down in the county where we have a little spot, the, there's an osprey's nest at the end of the corner, and the osprey's they have a nest on, on top of the hydropole. And if you walk down that road, the osprey will start circling. He'll leave his nest and start circling, hovering over his place. Happens every time. You can be 50 yards away, and he'll notice that you're coming. He leaves his nest, and he starts hovering. And you go down and down that way. Finally, he'll go back and settle down. Every time, the eagle does the same, hovering. God hovering over his creation. It's the same picture. Us hovering over our children. When they're little and they're sick, we're hovering over them. It's the same idea. So then, let God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness, just as we said about the picture. And God called the light day. In the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Interesting text. So God speaks creation, the Logos. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. God speaks. Creation happens. In, in the language in Greek, anarches, in the beginning, it's the very same. In the beginning, the Logos spoke. Genesis starts in the beginning. So light is God's new work. Light is the great energizer. I was hoping Simon was going to hear. We we're going to have a discussion on biology and how light works in photosynthesis. It all happens from light. And God looks at it and he calls it good. We are here in the city. Don't you like spring here in Toronto? Is it good? I think it's great. Spring happens here. It just explodes. It's so fast. Boom. All of a sudden, spring's here. Very short season. So God sees his creation, and he calls it good. So, starting to tie it together, here where we go, the, the, the creation story anticipates that you and I are part of the story. God has you and me, us, in mind, at the very beginning, the text tells us. The very beginning. And we are invited to say our yes to our Creator. And then to enjoy the creation of God. That's what He invites us to do. 
Say your yes to the Creator. Say your yes that you want to belong. Say your yes that you want to relate. That's the decisive moment in your life and my life. We think everything else is the decisive moment. You know, how much money we make or, or get the perfect job. That is not the decisive moment. The decisive moment is you as a creature coming to awareness that there is a creator who loves you and wants to be in relationship with you. That is fundamental. That's number one. Everything else is secondary compared to that. That's it. Number one, that's your decisive moment. Your yes, your great yes, instead of the barren no. No, 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 no. We can say that too. And then instead enjoy God's creation. Yes. So wrapping it up, God, God's, God's hovering over his planet. God is a relational God. The beginning of the prologue of John. In the beginning God created. The Logos speaks. The Logos is Jesus. God works in our world and he wants us to be his home, to be dwelling places. He wants to work in us. Next week we look at Ezekiel, a new heart he gives us. So may we allow God, that's the mystery of all, you as creature have to allow God to make his home in you. You have to say your yes. He respects you. He respects me. If you say no, okay, no. He respects that. You're not a robot, we've said. You have to say yes. Stop living like this and live like this. Open up to him. God is a relational God. The Spirit is hovering over your life, whether you think it or feel it or not. Paul gets at it. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption and he goes on, when we cry, Abba, Father, it is that very spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. While all of this is still in production, if you like, God has his mind and eye on you. And what he wants all of all this is that you and I will be and become his children. Wow. You're that important to God. Hovering implies care, patience, guidance, just like the hovering osprey or eagle. God for you, for me. And it's God's great search, if you like. God wants a people. Well, I don't know why he wants a people, but he wants a people. He wants a people who will be his people, the laos of God to say yes to him. He wanted it in the Old Testament, and he wants it now. And we have the chance to say yes and become part of his people, to enjoy infinity, to enjoy eternity with our artist, creator, God. That's what he wants. But so often we say no, people say no. We say no. I don't want your kingdom, your... I want my kingdom. So what is our answer? God is searching for you. He's searching for me. Telechi writes, long before I can think of God and love him, he has already thought of me and anticipated me.
That's the story of Genesis 1, 1 to 5. Because we know the story. What happens by the end? God creates Adam. He creates Eve. He creates people. And we are made in God's image. Wow, nothing else is described. The universe is not described as being in God's image. You and I are described that way. That's credible. Galaxies. You're more important than a galaxy. There are way more galaxies out there than there are people on planet Earth or whoever lived. Galaxies are simply energy. Energy, planets, stars. You are a living person invited to know the living God. So, what is our burden? And I end. What is our burden? The Romans and the Greeks, their burden was there is this panoply of gods. There are hundreds of gods. Every nation has a god. And so when they heard the story about Yahweh, Christ, their burden was to figure that out. How can, how can Jesus Christ be greater than Artemis of Ephesus? That was their burden. They had to figure that out. That was a chore. What's our burden? Well, our burden is not the panoply of Roman and Greek gods, is it? Some people might think in the zodiac, your sign, maybe try to wrestle that one out, I don't know. <clears throat> but the real modern burden, I think, <clears throat> is the knowledge that humanity has. We understand the universe, and we are standing so much more with the Webb telescope. Infinite. Goes forever. Just goes. Stars, universe, ever and ever and ever. You'll see pictures of the universe, and then they'll have a little dot, and the dot says Earth. Even in our galaxy, Earth in the midst of all that. Therefore, we think we are nothing. We think we are unimportant. We are not significant. Because how can I be significant in relationship, in contrast to all of that? I am nothing. And that's the burden, if you like, starting in nihilism and beyond that, I am nothing. I have no importance. It doesn't matter what I do. It's nothing. And then in the light of that, you and I have to think in terms of our significance. People on the street will say, you're nothing. They won't you say that language, but it means nothing. At the end of my life, the computer goes off. That's it. Nothing, man. I had my years, and now I'm gone. And we can say, yeah, well, that's maybe true. That's where I am at. But our call is to understand that we're significant. We are created by God so much that he sends his son to reveal the face of God. And then the Holy Spirit comes to live within us. That, to me, does not sound like nothing. That sounds like me, to me, a whole lot of bother. 
on God's part. They are not waking up, God says. We need to do something dramatic. What would that be? Maybe I send Jesus. Jesus says yes, and he comes to be the very face of God. Maybe they'll say yes to that. What do we do? We crucified him. We say no. That's our reaction. Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to live within us. This is the beauty. This is the greatness. You are something. Everybody here, everybody out on the streets, they're a walking miracle, and they think they're nothing. And our job, partly, is to help them wake up to the fact that they are something, loved by God, precious in his sight, precious. Remember Golem looking at the ring? Precious, my precious, precious. We are precious in his sight. Ruach of God, spirit of God, breath of God, wind of God blowing in our midst. May the spirit blow in our hearts and our minds, wake us up in the season of Pentecost, in Christ's name, amen.